Hello, faithful listeners. This is Pastor John Cloudwater from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake, and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Welcome you to worship anytime on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 10.30, and thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead. The Gospel reading from the first chapter of John. John 1, 29 through 42. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from the heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom I see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is translated means teacher. Where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you, my siblings in Christ. What are you looking for? Well, if you go to Google, it's a commonly asked question. An online search beginning with those words will lead you to many suggested ways to finish that question. For example, what are you looking for in a relationship or on a dating app or in a partner and so on and so on. But beyond asking Google for relationship advice, You can also go to Google and find some direction when it comes to work. For example, what are you looking for in your next role? In compensation and benefits, or in a job, a company, or an employer? We ask these questions a lot because often we know that we're looking for something, looking for something new. Maybe this is a new relationship or a new job or a more rewarding career there's often a hope for something better. 
getting something more than we currently have. The grass just might be greener on the other side. Now, sometimes this hope is warranted. Sometimes a change is needed. Sometimes a new relationship or a new job will help create those new and healthy changes that we need in our lives. In fact, sometimes that new thing that we're looking for can be a reflection of something new that's stirring up in ourselves, looking to shine. Has anyone ever told you after you got a new job or declared a major in school, oh, that's just perfect for you. That's who you are. Maybe two people that you know have decided that it's time to come together in relationship and you're able to recognize how they're a great complement for each other. When Jesus is asking this question, however, what are you looking for? I think it's important to pause and acknowledge who his audience is before we get to what their somewhat of an answer is. You know, it's people who've been looking for something very specific for generations to come. And so, first of all, in the previous verses, and what we heard last week was this baptism of Jesus has occurred. And it's led by John, who's the one baptizing. John sees the Holy Spirit descend upon Jesus like a dove, which affirms to him that this guy, this man right in front of him, right here, is exactly who he was looking for. It's the one who the prophets have foretold. John is looking for the Lamb of God. Indeed, the Son of God. And now he knows he found him. Out in the desert, John and his followers, yes, John's disciples, they're looking to experience a powerful revelation. John is the one encouraging his believers now, in this moment, to listen to Jesus. Hey, This guy, he's the Lamb of God. And hearing this gets them to now follow Jesus. And so soon as two of John's disciples, yes, John's disciples, they catch the eye of Jesus because they decide that they're going to start following him. And Jesus doesn't miss a beat and is like, come along for the ride, but what are you guys looking for? Like, why are you here? So what's the answer? Are they looking for a new relationship? A new job? If you think about it, that's exactly why they're there. This following of Jesus is going to be their new calling. Rabbi, teacher, where are you staying? That is not an answer, is it? It's another question. But embedded in what that question is tells you exactly what they're looking for. They're looking to get to know Jesus better. They're looking for a relationship with Jesus, to get to know who he is, for a new way of life. So despite this odd answer, they want to know where he's staying, precisely because they want to spend time following him and being where he is, so that they can learn from him. And what does Jesus do in this moment but invite? Where am I staying? Come and find out, guys. This is what Jesus is all about in our lives. To join Jesus, you don't need to have an amazing resume and tons of experience. Jesus just wants you to come and see what he's all about. What are some of the best ways to do that then? You know, it's my hope that as we experience life together and participation in this congregation, that that's exactly what we do when we come and see, when we pray, when we gather, when we serve. We are doing exactly what Jesus said by 
Let's come and see. Doesn't matter how smart you are, how your financial status is, whether you're an outgoing person or someone who likes to be a wallflower. None of that matters. Because this church is the place where a wide array of beliefs and backgrounds can gather together to literally come and see what God is up to in this place and in the world. Belonging to this faith community, then, in many respects, is about belonging to a place that provides us with a new life. Each and every time that we gather together, we're sent out with this new, abundant life that we hear about. It's a life filled with fellowship and friendship, of service, fulfillment. And so I started to wonder, could this potentially lead us to greener pastures? Could a life in the church bring about happiness? Well, can the church learn something by visiting the happiest place on earth? No, that, it's not always happy there, okay? Um, no, the real happiest place on earth is a country. And guess what? It's not the United States. Breaking news. This country has been voted the happiest country in the world for five straight years. Does anybody know what it is? Finland. Yeah, look at how happy those Finns are, right? Finland. I read an article and it was written by a Finnish psychologist, Frank Martella. He explained what makes Finland so unique and listed three of the things that Finnish people don't do in order to maintain happiness and a high quality of life. And so the first thing that he said is, we don't compare ourselves to our neighbors. Wow, that just sounds difficult, doesn't it? But I love it. It's like a perfect, if I was going to teach confirmation about the Ninth and Tenth Commandments, which I have been recently, I would say this is exactly what the Ninth and Tenth Commandments are. It's not about wanting and coveting and desiring all the things that our neighbors have, but it's a sense of self-worth and self-understanding that what we have is okay. So he shared an anecdote about running into one of the wealthiest men in the entire country of Finland. And this guy was pushing around a stroller at the tram station. Even though he was the wealthy, wealthy enough to drive a luxury car or his own, have his own driver, there he was taking public transportation just among everybody else in the country. So his tip was focus on our own standards, not comparing ourselves to others to measure our hap happiness. Know indeed that we are all fully human. Then think about what John is doing in this gospel today, right? He's not trying to make sure that his disciples stick with him at all costs. He's not grabbing for more power. He's not comparing himself to Jesus. His self-worth is not minimized because of the stature of the Messiah. Instead, what does he do? He actually encourages his followers. Hey, this is the Lamb of God. This is the one we should be following, guys. What a selfless act by John that we don't always pay attention to. All right, what's the second one? It's don't overlook the benefits of nature. Even in a country that has more snow than the state of Minnesota, Finnish people can cherish being outside. They love to have the opportunity to be able to go out and take vacation and take this rest and be out in the world, in the countryside. 
His happiness suggestion is that spending time in nature can increase our vitality, our well-being, give us a sense of personal growth. Getting some fresh air, even buying a plant that can be in our house during the long winter months is a great way to be able to overlook, uh, to not overlook the benefits of nature. I think about how fascinating it is that a lot of these moments with Jesus and being able to encounter people comes out on, on a mountain or out in the, the wilderness or on the sea as people are gathering around him to hear this story. They're coming out of the villages and the cities to come and hear, to come and see who this guy is all about. And third, he says, we don't break the community circle of trust. There's a high level of trust within the country. They did something called the lost wallet experiment where they just randomly had wallets left out where someone would have to find it. And then they did a test to see what that person would do. 92% of the wallets in Helsinki were returned to their owner. Wow. People trust each other. They value honesty. His tip is to think about how we can show up for our community. How can we create more trust? How can we support policies that build upon that trust? He talked about how small acts, like an opening a door for a stranger, giving up a seat on a public transportation makes a difference too. You know, I can't help but think of this community that John first created and his ability then to transition to Jesus, how the disciples have joined this ultimate circle of trust and they build together this belonging. But even though Jesus has done this, even though he's called these disciples together, even though there's this community of circle of trust, is there anything that could break it? Yeah. I mean, think about the betrayal of Judas. Think about the ways that the disciples don't show up. Think about the things that make it difficult for that circle of trust to stay together. Even following Jesus was not a guarantee of happiness. There was going to be much loss and suffering and death. Yet in reflection, to regain and rebuild that trust among each other, they realized that they had to be there for each other. They had to be there for each other in those moments of grief and tragedy and uncertainty. But it was by being a circle of trust that they could be there for the joys of hearing how this good news got spread throughout the world. Happiness is a byproduct of faith. You heard it from the kids this morning. By being able to laugh and smile and be together with each other, we trust each other. We lift up each other. It's an important and valuable characteristic of being the church. It's about how we can be comfortable in our own skin by surrounding ourselves with people that lift us up. They don't tear us down. Maybe the country of Finland can teach us a thing or two as we look at these characteristics, how they lead to a better way of life. I'm not surprised that these three points are in line with a lot of the things that we're trying to do as a congregation. We don't promote one Christian over another. We don't uh, encourage faithfulness, or we do encourage faithfulness both inside and outside the church and we do think about how this circle of trust demonstrates that we serve more people when we do this together than when we're just on our own. Now here's, here's something that you're going to be shocked by. I've been told that sometimes you appreciate the children's message more than the sermon. 
I've been told that sometimes you learn more from the kids than you learn from me. And I know that you're just, you're, you're just chuckling along right now because you're like, oh, that's not true, Pastor John. How could that ever be true? Well, the truth is we learn a lot from our kids, don't we? Our kids inform what we're looking for in our own faith development. So, what are you looking for from Jesus? Well, come and see. Come and see that life in relationship together is life in relationship with Christ. So one last question. Why does Faith Lutheran care so much about others? Why? Amen. We hope these words will strengthen you as you live out your daily life. If you would like to know more about Faith Lutheran, leave a prayer request, or financially support our mission and ministry, please go to our website at faithfl.org. May God bless you in the days ahead.